Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Each one of these individual people they made monumental changes in the world that's around them. And I want you to think of not somebody special, not somebody heralded by, you know, the news media. I want to think, I want you to think of somebody very regular, very ordinary. I want you to think of your impact to the world around you. Now you might be thinking right off and say, well, there's no way that I'm going to impact the world that's around me. Imagine that your prayers could create a ministry like Billy Graham's or D.L. Moody's. It doesn't seem possible, right? But as Pastor David tells us today, it is. We'll hear how average people in the Bible set events in motion that resulted in countless people becoming followers of the true God. That power is still available to us today. God hasn't changed. It's the obedience and faithfulness of believers that will impact the world. Be encouraged and energized today as we hear how God uses people in magnificent ways. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Led by a Star. You know, we live in an age of uh, ever-increasing knowledge. We live in an age where technology is, is growing faster than I think anybody can keep up with it. That's why there's a lot of specialties. I don't think any one person would be able to uh, maintain or understand all the technology that's growing so much. And with all of these things going on, the, the question comes to my mind this morning, and I want to share with you, how can one person's life impact the world, or even how much does one person's life impact the world? We see so many things, so many things happening so quickly. And again, uh, as, as, as our world seems smaller and smaller, actually, I believe that today, your life can have more of an impact in a wider range, really, than it could have years ago, because of all of the technology that's available, because our world is getting much smaller. Throughout the years, there's been a lot of different individuals and probably many that could come to your mind that because of their own personal choices, because of their lifestyles, they've impacted hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. There's been people that we can think of through the years, and this is going way back, I understand, but just think of the Apostle Paul, one man, and yet how much he has influenced the world because of his faithfulness to the Lord Jesus, his passion to share the hope of the gospel, and all that he did within his life. We think of men like Martin Luther, the, the one that we call the father of the modern Reformation, who, who stood up at the very risk of his life, at the very risk of uh, his ability to minister within the church. He stood up and said, these things I see that are wrong with my church. 
And he, he made the stand, and because he made that stand, the Protestant Reformation came about. And, and multitude, millions of lives through the years have been changed because one man made a stand and declared the stuff that was not popular at his time, but the truth of it and the foundation of it through the Word of God impacted so many through the ages. We think of a woman like Mother Teresa who hasn't seen or heard the impact that Mother Teresa has had, uh, again, on the populations of the world that are so downtrodden and beaten down so bad. And yet, because she committed her life to God, committed her life to Christ, committed her life to serving people, the impact that this one person had. We think of people like, again, a, a Billy Graham. Uh, my goodness, the, the, literally the millions that he has impacted. Someone mentioned to me last night, don't forget uh, Chuck Smith. Uh, Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapels, uh, birthed uh, literally thousands of churches and the impact uh, not only back in the 60s and 70s of touching that generation that was uh, going through the Vietnam War, going through all of the drugs, all of the, the sexual revolution, everything that was going on at that time, and how God planted Chuck Smith in Calvary Chapels chapel at just the right time and ministered to so many, and his legacy continues on. Each one of these individual people, they made monumental changes in the world that's around them. And I want you to think of not somebody special, not somebody heralded by, you know, the news media. I want to think, I want you to think of somebody very regular, very ordinary, I want you to think of your impact to the world around you. Now, you might be thinking right off and say, well, there's no way that I'm going to impact the world that's around me. You know, these three this morning, even as they came to be baptized, they made an impact on others as they saw that. Maybe it was an encouragement for others to follow in the Lord uh, in baptism. Maybe it was an encouragement to others that's saying, hey, you know what? I, I, I've lived most of my life. I've never made a commitment to Christ. And if, and if Chris can make a commitment later on in life and see the change in his life, well, maybe that's what I need to do in my life. We can make impacts in our lives by the choices that we make, by the lifestyles that we live, and by the testimony of our lives. Now, this story might be very familiar to some of you, but let me share it with all of us just as a reminder this morning. Edward Kimball was, was just a simple Sunday school teacher. He was a volunteer Sunday school teacher, and he had this deep, this, this heartfelt concern for the students in his class, these young men, 15, 16, 17-year-old young boys or young adults there that were in his class. And one of these boys particular that he had a real uh, a heartfelt concern, a real burden for, uh, had a job during the day working at a shoe store. And Edward Kimball wanted to spend some time with this young man, but the available time that he could find was only during the day when this young man was working. And he, he battled with it for quite a while. Well, should I interrupt him during his work hours to be able to share with him, again, the hope that's found in Christ? And finally, one day, the Lord led him to go to that store. The young man was back in the stock room, working on the shelves, getting things uh, prepared for the merchandise. And Edward Kimball went back in that room, and there shared with that 17-year-old young man the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And that young man, Dwight L. Moody, came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ there in the back room of that shoe store because a faithful Sunday school teacher had a burden for a 17-year-old young man. 
Well, Moody then, as he grew, he, he grew to become one of the greatest preachers and evangelists of all times, who within the Christian community doesn't know the name of Dwight L. Moody. Moody had the opportunity also to preach over in England, and when he was there, one of his trips over there, he had the opportunity to go and, and preach in a, in a small, little, unimpressive church. Nothing big, nothing grandiose about this church at all, but as Moody went in and he began to preach, the pastor of that church was a young man by the name of F.B. Meyer. Now, the message changed Pastor Meyer so tremendously. His whole ministry changed, and he actually became an evangelist like Moody. Uh, there's a lot of commentaries by F.B. Meyer that you can get today, again, just declaring the, the truth of God's word. Well, Moody, as he continued to be, be an evangelist, he had the opportunity to go from England back over to America. And while he was in America, on a particular time as he was preaching, another young pastor was in the audience or in the the congregation at that time, a fellow by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman. Now, J. Wilbur Chapman, as he heard Moody preaching, he felt a call in his life to just a, a deeper walk with the Lord, a, a deeper commitment of the things of his life to the Lord, even as a pastor. And so Chapman went on to become one of the most effective evangelists of his time in, in his area. And there was a young baseball player that, that really loved Chapman, loved the, the teaching ministry, the preaching ministry of Chapman. And he used to hang out all the time, and, and he would help set up for the, the meetings and all. And he would listen night after night after night to Chapman preaching, just that, that dynamic uh, presence that Chapman had. He actually learned nightly by watching Chapman and listening to Chapman. That young man's name was Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday eventually took over Chapman's ministry, and he became one of the most dynamic evangelists of the early 20th century, bringing literally thousands to Christ. Now, during a, a 1924 Billy Sunday crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina, there was a group within that community, just other believers, just common, normal believers that were attending those meetings. And as Billy Sunday continued to preach, these men and women began to get such a burden for their community that they got together after those meetings and they determined, you know what, we need to see our community one to Christ. And so they determined to band together, call in an additional evangelist sometime later to come in and preach in their community. So uh, in 1932, Reverend Mordecai Ham came and, and held a series of evangelistic meetings throughout that area. A young man that was attending that meeting, he became spellbound by, by the message. And it seemed like night after night that pastor was just preaching right to him and he'd, he'd give an example and he'd preach and he'd point out in the audience and the young man felt, man, he, he's, he's pointing right at me. He's talking right at me. And so he was drawn night after night to keep coming back. This young man was not even welcome within his own church's youth group because he was so worldly minded. They, they, they didn't want him to come in and, and mess up their kids. So he wasn't able to come. But as he came and night after night, hearing Mordecai Ham explain the gospel and the hope of the gospel and the reality and the truth of an eternal hell and yet the promise of an eternity in heaven with Christ, one night that young man by the name of William Graham, Billy Graham, gave his heart and his life to Jesus Christ. Through his life, he has communicated the gospel to more people than any one else has ever done um, because he was in this age of technology. His crusades all throughout the world translated in, in numerous languages 
hundreds of thousands have come to Christ, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through the ministry of Billy Graham. And you know what? It all started because a Sunday school teacher had a burden for a young man. It all started because one preacher that had a mediocre ministry got on fire for the things of the Lord. It all started because a few people within a community felt burdened to reach their community for the Lord and organized this revival. You see, ordinary people making extraordinary impact on the world that's around them. If they can do that, you and I can too. Let me move you to another life that had quite a bit of meaning, an individual life that made such an impact. This young man actually lived about 2,500 years ago. His name was Daniel. Many of his countrymen had been taken into exile into Babylon as, as the Babylonian Empire came down into to Israel and Judah, destroyed uh, the cities, their, their capital, their temple, and took literally hundreds of thousands of the people into captivity back into Babylon. Well, as Daniel became subjected to King Nebuchadnezzar and all the, the rules and, and the, the directions of his court, Daniel determined that in his own life, he was going to stand strong for his faith. He was going to stand strong in the testimony of the greatness of his God, and God showed him favor in many ways. Now, again, through a variety of trials, we, if you ever take the opportunity to read the book of Daniel, you'll understand what I mean about the trials and the testings that were there. It wasn't easy for him to stand against the flow of his society, the flow of the regulations of, of all the pagan religion that was around him. It was not easy for him to stand firm in the faith. And yet, through these trials, through these tests, he remained a, a man of integrity. He, may, he remained completely trustworthy. He remained a, a faithful follower of the one true God, the God of Israel, Jehovah himself. Now, because he remained true, he remained faithful, God showed him favor, and he was able to be raised up within a position there within the courts of Nebuchadnezzar as the lead of all of the king's counselors at that time. Now, these counselors were actually a large group of, uh, they were magicians and, and uh, astrologers and studies in astronomy. They, they did some stuff in sorcery. There was, I mean, the whole gamut they, they covered there at that particular time. There was also a group there called the Chaldeans, and the Chaldeans themselves, they were known for their ability to be able to interpret dreams. And again, as you read the book of Daniel, you find that they failed a few times, and, and Daniel actually saved their lives by the God of Daniel giving him the dream and the interpretation. Well, the longer that Daniel was in the court of the king, the more influence he had upon the king's counselors. It came to the point that the king actually promoted Daniel and he gave him all kinds of gifts and he made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon and he became the chief over all of the wise men of Babylon. That's according to Daniel chapter 2, verse 48. Well, once the Babylonian kingdom fell, it fell to the Persian Empire well, these same wise men, these same king's counselors actually continued on into the Persian Empire, just serving the new realm. And Daniel remained, again, as, as that position of leadership, that, that position of influence. Daniel became known as the Rab Mag. The Rab Mag. Now, it sounds like a term uh, the youth might, man, you are Rab, dude. Uh, but uh, what it meant is the chief Magi, the chief of the wise men, that's what he was known as. These, these Magi 
came to, again, they, they continued on in learning. They, came, they became experts, experts in science and in literature, both religious literature of all the different religions of the day, as well as secular literature from all the different cultures of the day. They became experts in, in medications and astronomy, as well as astrology. And the astrology of that day, most of it was not like what we look at today, where people wake up and they look at their chart and find out whether they ought to get out of bed or not. No, the, the, the astrology of that day was with the understanding that God has set signs in the heaven. And if you ever take the opportunity and time to look at that, it's an amazing declaration, really, of God's creative force that the heavens do declare the glory of the Lord. And uh, we could go into a whole study on that, but we won't these magi became experts at these things. They became experts at the various cultures of their day and the direction even of secular government. They came to have this great authority because of their wisdom, because of their influence. They became known as the supreme priestly caste. The government position that we know of today as the magistrate actually came out of that word magi. As time went on, the Perthian Empire became a major world player. The, the Perthians came after the, the Persian Empire. The Perthians came around uh, 247 BC. They reigned till around 225 uh, AD, so about 500 years. And they came through and they, they defeated uh, uh, many of the other empires of the day, took over much of what was the Persian Empire of that time. As a matter of fact, the Parthian Empire ruled the area area of southeastern Turkey, all of Iran, Turkmenistan, portions of Iraq, Syria, and Kuwait. Their borders reached all the way to Afghanistan and to Pakistan, even touching into India in portions of it. The, the Parthian Empire was huge. It was powerful. And it was a mighty, mighty empire. The Magi were a major part of the governmental direction and the power of the Parthian Empire. And due to the great wealth of knowledge and their insight, these magi became known as king makers, king makers. And the rulers and the kings within the Parthian Empire, they had to be recommended by the magi in order to get their position. You would not get the position of a king or a leader unless the magi said, yeah, this is the guy, this is the one that ought to be there. So one of the other things you need to realize is the location and the power of the Parthian Empire was a continual threat to the Roman Empire. Right on the far eastern border of the Roman Empire, the Parthian Empire was not too far away. Some of the things, too, that you to help you understand why the Roman Empire was the way it was, why there was an unsettling in the years around the time of Christ's birth, you need to understand that in 40 B.C., Antipater came, and Antipater was the father of Herod the Great. Antipater came and he invaded the, the western border of the Parthian Empire, and he actually gained a short-term victory. And after that victory, he set his son, Herod, up to be the ruler over that area. Well, that only was settled for a short time because the Parthians came back in. They defeated uh, Antipater and his forces, pushed the Romans back. Herod was driven back to Rome. And for a while, the Parthians then ruled over that area. Finally, at around 36 BC, Herod, through some trickery, deceit, and murder, things that we spoke about last week, he actually was able to get his throne back in that area of the Jews. As a matter of fact, Caesar Augustus declared him as king of the Jews. 
Now, this was a tenuous position at best, uh, because again, the, the people there, the Jews, hated Herod. The Parthians were uh, not too far from them. They could make an invasion at any time. The main force and strength of the Roman Empire was uh, at least two or three weeks worth of march before they could get there to help him out. And so Herod was in this tricky position. By about 6 BC, Herod the Great was failing in health. Caesar Augustus, the guy that put him on the throne, he was also failing in health. And the time was really ripe for a Jewish uprising or a Parthian invasion. And that brings us to where we're at this morning, Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east, wise men from the east, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Interesting question that they would ask. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Seen his star? What's the star thing all about? And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. I think that was a great understatement, that Herod was troubled. Knowing all that's going on uh, politically and, and everything else within that empire and within Herod's life itself, I believe... Herod was extremely troubled, and whenever Herod was troubled, well, all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. First of all, you, you, we need to kind of throw out our preconceived understanding of the scene of the wise men or the magi. Okay, m most of us have uh, nativity scenes. You might have it up at your house right now, and you've got the shepherds on one side and the wise men at the other side. You need to understand the wise men hadn't got there when the shepherds got there. Uh, we have wise men in our nativity scene. We just put them on the other side of the room, okay? <laughs> it's going to take them a whole lot longer to get there. This was sometime later, and we'll go over that. In, in your nativity scene, how many wise men do you have? you probably got three, yeah. Why do we have three? Tradition only. Tradition only. We don't know how many wise men there were. We know that there was at least two. They do speak of them as a plural. But it could have been 24 wise men. We, we just don't know. We base it on the number of gifts, don't we? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we all have the little pictures of uh, these little vessels of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, I want you to Take your mind and go back to the kings of that day, and you come from a distant land, about a thousand miles away, and you come with this little box of frankincense. And we say, we want to honor you as the king. The king's going to look at that and says, what's this? That's not very much. I, I, I don't doubt that they probably had a couple of camel loads of frankincense and myrrh. They've come to honor a king. Where do we get the picture that they come with this little sample of uh, frankincense and myrrh and gold? They came a distance of about a thousand miles if they came from Parthia. If they did, and granted this is speculation, but historically that's where the Magi were. That's who they were and where they came from. We can see that in the books of history. If they came from Parthia, about a thousand mile journey, and they had with them gifts of uh, rarity and of expense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, I guarantee you that they probably had a mounted cavalry with them, an escort to guard over them. Open our hearts, change us from within. 
On behalf of Pastor David Landry and the production team here at The Open Word, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. This has been a special edition of The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all of the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the home page, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, let us know the call letters of the station you heard The Open Word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. And again, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.